0: Welcome to the Loveland LibCast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library.
1: As the world changes around us, we are constantly vacillating between two different versions of ourselves, The one who wants to be healthier and the one who wants to be excited or comforted by the food that we eat. We all want to eat better, but what does that mean? This book is here to say, Don't panic. Here are Pantry Staples for the future. Delicious, nutritious, umami-heavy, well-balanced recipes for accessible whole food meals by the food writer and co-host of Don't Panic Pantry. This is the Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook. Mostly Vegetarian Comfort Food That Happens to Be Pretty Good for You by Noah Galutin.
0: Joining me today for the July Loveland Cookbook Edition of the Loveland Libcast, I have my wonderful co-host, as always, Ashley Reger recipe developer, and food writer for Westward. Ashley, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. (laughs) And (laughs) we are also very lucky to be joined today by Esther, our wonderful adult services librarian. Esther, welcome to your first Loveland Cookbook Group edition of the Loveland Libcast.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Our audience will get used to you being the host of this, so we're going to start off with a bang, and we're going to start off by talking about July's cookbook, The Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook by Noah Galutin. But before we get into The Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook by Noah Galutin I want to tell you all about our August and September cookbooks. So in August, we're going to talk about The Ball Complete Book of Home Preserving by Judy Kingry. And then in September, it will be Mezcla, Recipes to Excite by Ista Belfrage. So, Ashley and Esther, I wanted to ask both of you if you had made anything from our previous cookbooks, or is there anything you're cooking, baking, anything that you're creating right now, or thoughts on upcoming cookbooks. Ashley, we'll start with you.
1: Sure. So I just actually made a recipe similar to Erin Jean McDowell's recipe. She was the author of a previous cookbook that we covered, The Book on Pie, which is an awesome resource if you like to bake. But I made Berox, which is in her new book, Savory Baking. And Berox is something very near and dear to my heart because it is a Mennonite staple, and, and my family is all Mennonite, and my ancestors are all Mennonite. So many people might know biroks by their other name, Runzas. There's the chain of runza restaurants in like Loveland and Longmont and Fort Collins. If you have ever been there, you might you might recognize it's a it's like a bread roll, a very soft and, and slightly sweet bread roll that's filled with cabbage and beef. So something I grew up on that they served at my high school cafeteria.
0: Speaking of the Book of Pie. Have you used that technique with the toasted sugar to weigh down the pie filling? Is that?
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a technique that originated with Stella Parks, another alumni of our cookbook club. She wrote Braveheart, but I have used that technique. You line your pie crust when you're blind baking with sugar instead of beans. And then you get kind of a toasted sugar product out of it. And you can keep reusing that sugar and keep getting more and more toasted sugar. I, I have used that. And I've also like toasted sugar on its own and done that technique specifically for the toasted sugar. And it's awesome. I love doing that. I think that's the coolest thing.
0: I remember how cool it was when we started talking about that technique. That was one of my main takeaways from that podcast. But then also making the pumpkin pie filling in advance and freezing it. Those were the two big pie tips that I took away anyway.
1: Yeah, for those who don't know, (laughs) they can go back and re-listen to the episode and just hear Susan Reed and I exclaiming for like 15 (laughs) minutes about how cool the technique that is.
0: Even though it's hot summer, it's never too early to start getting those pie tips, thinking about writing them down, because we'll be in pie baking season before you know it. Esther, have you made anything from our previous cookbooks or perhaps one of our cookbook kits?
2: Yeah, I have. I made a few things, but one of the things that I wanted to tell Ashley is that I took a starter and it has been living and going strong. It's hard to make yourself make bread in the summer Mm -hmm. because it's like I don't want my oven to be 450 degrees and... (laughs) So I've kind of just been keeping my starter like limping along in the fridge and haven't really baked that much bread out of it. But I did make that sourdough focaccia from from that kit. Old World Sourdough, I think was the name of that cookbook.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. I also don't make bread during the summer, so I totally kill you. (laughs) You can use sourdough starter to make like little scallion pancakes and things. Mm -hmm. You can really just use like straight up starter and put it in a pan so you don't have to heat your oven up. Yeah, we um, often have waffles on Sunday Mm. as like a
2: little family tradition. And I've been making waffles with the sourdough discard. Yeah, I
1: love that. Very good. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, why did we choose the Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook by Noah Galuton? And who do you think that this would appeal to?
1: So I was not familiar with Noah Gluten before you had reached out to other librarians at the Loveland Library and asked for cookbook recommendations. And this came in as one. And I'm so glad that it did, because I've been watching his YouTube channel under the same name. It's also called Don't Panic Pantry. And he's a really good teacher. He like cares a lot about what he's doing and teaches kind of how it works behind the dishes he makes. But he doesn't take anything too seriously. He doesn't take himself or the food too seriously. It's not pretentious. It's just really delicious, simple food that's a little bit innovative. It has kind of a Los Angeles fresh feel to it that we're kind of seeing come out of some of the other creators right now, too. So I think that this would appeal to people who want to eat healthy-ish food and just have it be really delicious and made with fresh ingredients.
0: Yeah. I got my hands on the Don't Panic Pantry cookbook and saw there is an introduction that does talk about eating sustainably and eating healthy. It's not, I mean, it's not a diet book or anything, but it just, just kind of recognizes these things. And I thought that was very cool. It just seems very approachable and they kind of had these fun introductions or just sort of very like, you know, conversational introductions to the rest mm-hmm. which I liked as well. We've kind of talked about the author a bit. Did either of you, maybe I'll start with you, Esther, were there any recipes inside that stood out to you? Recipes that you thought, oh, I could do this, or recipes that thought a more advanced chef might circle?
2: I don't have any particular recipes, but what I liked about the book, kind of just flipping through, is the ethos of the book being that you want to have a well-stocked pantry, and that means more than just having flour, but Mm -hmm. like, Having things so that making food from home is actually the easier option than going out. I didn't grow up in a family that cooked, which seems so insane now to say, because what else did we do? But we just sort of had fast food and I cook every night now and have for years. But it took me a long time to figure out how to kind of not shop specifically for a meal, but to have food that you can rely on and make a meal in the moment because you have these staples in your pantry, in your freezer, in your fridge that you have made. So I really, really enjoyed the ethos of that. And that's something that makes cooking at home easier and more enjoyable and less panic ridden. And you don't have to buy a new spice for every single meal or whatever, you know, which I used to feel very viscerally when I was first on my own, because I had no idea of how to make something from these building blocks.
1: That makes so much sense because I think a lot of households are the same way. My household was growing up for sure. Like, we had the couple of meals that my family made and made well. But a lot of nights we were having, you know, hamburger hopper or we would go out and get a meal or something that was affordable for a couple of kids and my parents. But once you have this pantry, like you were saying, that's stocked, and what's cool about this cookbook too is he's not saying, Oh, you need to have whole beans and you're going to make the beans fresh every time. Like it's totally okay to have a can of beans and use a can of beans and make something really delicious with it. And you don't have to go and get fresh herbs because often dried herbs are totally okay, especially if you're cooking midweek and not cooking to impress anyone. You're just wanting to make something really delicious for yourself for dinner. So.
0: Were there any recipes that drew your interest in particular, Ashley? I know I had a couple that (laughs) that stood out to me.
1: Yeah, I would love to hear what stood out to you. Um, Some that really caught my eye several times as I was looking through this book, I would get stuck on one of the first pages, which was the blender batter yogurt pancakes. And those are a buckwheat pancake. And you just put everything in the blender and mix it up. And there's your batter. And that was really cool. I also love buckwheat pancakes so that seemed really easy for someone who's wanting to get the vibe of this book and and doesn't want to put a ton of effort into it. I also was really struck by the spiced labna and charred vegetables recipe. Labna is like a creamier, thicker version of Greek yogurt. It's super delicious and just this concentrated Mediterranean creaminess and that's a really cool technique because it's you just grill veggies and then you put it on this whipped dairy product which can be infinitely translated. <laughs> so if you have a dinner party that you're wanting to bring an appetizer to impress people, you can easily adapt that one. And then if you wanted something a little more challenging, the broccoli sausage bread looked really good. And he offers options to make the dough and the sausage yourself or you can pick up pre-made or pick up vegetarian options for those or use mushrooms instead. So uh, very flexible recipes in this one.
0: Speaking of the flexible recipes, it, it is noted in that intro talking about eating less meat as well, but eating nicer meat if you do eat meat. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciate a lot of the, the recipes in there are vegetarian or or it's easy to make them vegetarian. One that jumped out, especially because of the the picture was the Gruyere leek and Swiss chard pie. That just seemed Ooh. so tasty. <laughs> and then I liked that there were a lot of recipes for salad dressings, just stuff that seemed like it would be fun. You whip those up and then, you know, you can just keep using them. If you make a, enough of it and one, one that you like, that could just become something that's part of your your routine. So I really enjoyed that. And then I thought the broccoli pasta also looked very good to me. And there were a, there were a lot of recipes too, were sort of like my mom made this a lot or, you know, this was in our family. And that kind of thing was, I don't know, very, felt like a, a comfort food, but also like, I don't know, maybe elevated a little more. And then there's a mm-hmm. recipe <laughs> that was like, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was like the late night drunken noodle pasta. And it was the, the description was about like, sometimes I come home because I've been, you know, out with friends and I just want to whip up something, you know, instead of grabbing fast food or tacos or whatever just make something and so it was this noodle dish and it looked really good mm-hmm. <laughs> but it you could tell it was also just sort of a like if you know a chef like like he is just being able to grab some stuff and, and throw together something something tasty and quick which is what you want after you
1: <laughs> have them in the town
0: exactly <laughs> <laughs> so those were some that stood out to me there, there mm-hmm. was just so much in there. Where I was like, oh, I feel like I could do this or a salad dressing thing where it's like, oh, I can just dial this into what I want. And then, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want with the salad. So I really appreciated that part. For our July, the Don't Panic Pantry cookbook kits, Esther, I'm going to let our audience in a little secret that you have been choreographing these kits for many, many months now. Would you like to introduce what the July kits will be for folks?
2: Sure. So speaking of dressing, the kit this month will be a vegan tahini dressing. And those kits will include tahini, which is sesame seed, ground sesame seed, rice vinegar, red wine vinegar, and tamari, which is just a gluten-free soy sauce. And I think other than maybe some seasoning, the only ingredient that we are not including is olive oil. I think that's the only missing ingredient. So if you have olive oil, you can make this dressing with all the things that we're giving you. And Noah talks about various uses for this and it, how it like quickly became a favorite of his and it would be good on soba noodles and it would be good just on as a dip for on a, a crudite platter and that is a very versatile dressing, which I think is maybe a little surprising to folks because tahini has such a strong flavor, but I mean, I love the flavor of tahini.
0: And those will be available, as always, on the second Thursday of the month, which in July will be July 13th. Were there any notes or tips that you had for this as well, Ashley?
1: Yeah, I don't think I could give any tips because it's so easy. It's like mix all the ingredients together and you're done. I made this a couple of weeks ago and it was very yummy. I really liked it. I've been making a lot of salads. I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm not like a leafy greens kind of salad person. I like a little texture, like something different. I don't like spinach. So I've been making a lot of (laughs) salads with like shredded cabbage and chickpeas and cucumbers and tomatoes and this dressing was really good on that kind of mixture as it would be if you are a spinach person i also made the purple cabbage slaw i think it's called in the book that uh he dresses the red cabbage with the tahini dressing and then also has some jalapeno or some i think he calls for a serrano in there maybe I used a jalapeno because I couldn't find the other uh, pepper that he called for. But it was super yummy. It was like not something that I was used to having. A tahini dress slaw is not in my typical repertoire. But I enjoyed it a lot. I served it with like grilled chicken sandwiches and it was yummy.
0: Do you have any recommendations for other cookbooks or food writers or social media personalities similar to Noah Galuten or this cookbook that you would recommend?
1: Yeah, I think that if you like this cookbook or like the sound of it, or like the YouTube channel, I would check out On Vegetables, which is a cookbook that Noah gluten had co-written with Jeremy Fox a couple of years ago that was very well received. That is a more obviously vegetable-focused book, especially while we're in summer, we're in farmer's market season. It would be a fun one to experiment with. And then like I mentioned earlier, I really get this... L.A. simple but innovative fresh whole food vibe from this book, which really reminds me of one of my faves, the Molly Baz cook this book cookbook.
0: Esther, do you follow any or read any?
2: There's this New York Times no recipe cookbook. I don't know when it came out, maybe two years ago. And it's like uh, no recipe recipes. So it talks a lot about stocking your pantry and what to have and almost more, in fact, than, than this book of like, what to build on a pantry. And it gives you recipes, but it doesn't really tell you quantities of anything. So it's like, oh, this and that and as much of this as you want, and it tells you what to include. And that has been as somebody who, again, is like trying to kind of cook more and be more confident in the kitchen in general and not be so rec- recipe reliant and be able to like cook something out of like scraps that way I have in the fridge or scraps that I have left that are about to go bad. If you set yourself up with like a pantry, you can make stuff on a Tuesday night out of you know, ketchup and eggs and, and leftover kimchi. And like, there you go. Now you have this like fried rice kimchi thing, you know.
1: That's cool. I'm gonna have to check that book out. It sounds kind of similar to the I Dream of Dinner book that we also covered a couple months yeah. ago Bring in all the references yeah. <laughs> yeah oh this is
0: great and I, I just love this conversation it's really it's making me think about that approach to cooking that sometimes and I, i'm guilty of this of thinking like you got to be locked into a recipe and the way to do it and it's uh, this approach of like well if you if you set yourself up with the right things you're going to be able to combine them in a way that that also teaches you how to cook and, and you're able to make delicious things and a variety and give you that confidence you know, it's it's like art, like <laughs> there, there may be a recipe, but it's also it's for you. So you may want to, you know, tinker with things, too. And I I just think that that's a very cool approach for beginner cooks and people who, who are already confident. But like maybe that next phase of like, oh, now I'm going to challenge myself to just make delicious things or, you know, explore the chemistry of cooking. That's very cool. So these are these are great building blocks for people to use. Finally... Before we go, I always like to talk about what, <laughs> mostly what you're reading, Ashley, and what I'm <laughs> saying I'm going to read, <laughs> but I'm sure that Esther is reading something or has finished something recently too. Ashley, what are you reading or watching or listening to?
1: I'm in a little of a reading slump right now, which is kind of embarrassing, but I wait for my library eBooks to come up off of hold. And then they all come up at once. And then I read none of them. So that's a fun little habit. (laughs) I have. But there is a podcast I really like called maintenance phase. And it's all about kind of the trials and pitfalls of nutrition and wellness culture, which I have a sort of a background in nutrition. So I really love that they debunk all of these nutrition myths. And one of the hosts has a fairly new book within the last year, her name is Aubrey Gordon, and her book is You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People. And I have been listening to audiobook of that, and it's really awesome. I just really appreciate her perspective, and it's liberating to think about your body that way and to also recognize that there are people in all sorts of bodies all around us.
0: Those both sound great. Uh, good podcast and a good audiobook. Esther, are you reading anything or have you read anything recently that you would like to share?
2: Yeah, I'm always reading various things at once. I think I'm in like a summer mood. I just finished a long romance series, which is a little bit embarrassing, but it has been going on far too long. And as a little palate cleanser, I'm reading a kind of beachy, silly book, which is called The Patron Saint of Second Chances, and it's by Christine Simon. And I knew nothing about the book. I was working at the reference desk one day, and we had a, like, each read display, and uh, one of the other librarians put it out, and I took it home. And it's
0: just... <laughs> it works. The system works.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, it's just a really light, kind of funny read about this small Italian town. The mayor of some small Italian town that's about to get into a big snafu <laughs>
0: fun. i i love books like that sometimes especially yeah speaking of like a reading slump ashley sometimes a book like that i love where you're just like you can kind of hit the ground running and like you're just going through and it you know it's just fun and like it feels like a no pressure read but they can be super yeah. enjoyable so that's very cool
2: what about you, Daniel?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I have two things. I watched a movie recently, a documentary called The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which is about Studio Ghibli, and I'd seen it before, but it had been a while. It came out 10 years ago, and it's just like a really interesting, you know, look at this animation studio, Studio Ghibli and Totoro and Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle and all of those and Miyazaki, the the guy who's directed all of those and he's this, he is still the force behind Studio Ghibli and one of my favorite parts is like he doesn't write scripts, he just storyboards and he storyboards as they're animating so people don't know how it's going to end or like where it's going (laughs) and it's just kind of up to him to like decide that on, you know, it's like building the track's for the train while the train is coming down, and it just—I don't know—I lo- I love stuff about the creative process, and it, of course, it's it takes a whole bunch of people to make any of these things happen. And there's there's someone who works there. He calls the master doodler, and she like creates all these all these fun little characters and stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just it's just cool, and like he, you know, it just has these weird insights, and you you can tell why those movies are like <laughs> so bizarre but interesting, and like. I don't know. He he definitely embraces you know life is bizarre and crazy, but also he's very into the environment and things. And so that that's on uh, HBO Max or just Max now. But also (laughs) maybe it's a DVD that uh, is checkoutable. Maybe even at the your local library,
1: perhaps.
0: (laughs) And then I've been listening to this collection of short stories called Rogues. It's it's got a bunch of different authors. It's edited by George R. R. Martin and he's he's done a few of these. One I've I've listened to before is called Dangerous Women and it's all stories about dangerous women is and, and authors' interpretations of that. And those are just really cool. There's it's it's very long, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you're you're changing stories so often that like you know, sometimes you're getting into one and it ends, and you're like, "Oh, that was a cool, you know, character or world or something." And then you switch to another one, but just a lot of different voices and how people interpret that. And yeah, it's it's very fun. Sometimes a, a collection of short stories is just what the doctor ordered.
2: Uh, do you think that the authors were given the kind of theme and prompt and wrote from it, or was they selected? I, given the
0: I believe that they're all written specifically for this. Oh, and some cool. authors like use worlds that they have kind of created before and to tell a story with this theme and some it's just like totally dreamed up. But I do believe that they are written specifically for this oh. anthology of of short stories and that it's authors from all all kinds of genre. I mean there's westerns, there's science fiction, there's fantasy, there's stuff that's more literary it's good and i i like those as audiobooks too because there's usually a different reader for each story as well so oh, um cool. yeah you really get a lot of variety and the best for road trips if you like short stories
1: that's so cool so intriguing like you get a sampler pack of all these different
0: yeah voices
1: literary voices and actual voices if you listen to audiobooks. yeah
0: you're you're like one one story you're in like oh it's cat people and they're you know like in a space station and the next it's like just someone in their grandma and it, like it just, you, you're going to get everything like really, really everything. And those interpretations, especially something like rogues can really be, you know, like a trickster or a bandit or, you know, just all Mm -hmm. these, all these archetypes, then also subverting those archetypes. So it's pretty fun. Well, that does it for this episode of the Loveland cookbook group, Libcast. Ashley, thank you so much for being a wonderful co host for these and for discussing the Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook by Noah Galutin. Those recipe kits for vegan tahini dressing will come out on July 13th. Ashley, thanks for coming back and co hosting these.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: And Esther, thank you so much for joining this July episode.
2: Thanks for having me. It was so fun.
0: It was fun for me as well. And I will talk to you all next time on another episode of the Loveland Libcast. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at Daniel.Tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org.
2: See you next time.